What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. We're here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Episode 137, coming to you a little bit earlier than normal. See, hear it in our voices. Have not had coffee yet. Going to do our best still to seem somewhat alive and awake. Uh, fun show planned for you. A lot of baseball. Ben's got some hockey, since we both know who carries those segments, let's be honest. <laughs> and close out with a little NFL. Uh, but you called it. Tampa Bay Lightning, second straight Stanley Cup. I think you even said five games, honestly. I want to say five, but it could have been six, I said. But I was I knew it wasn't going to be a sweep, and I knew it wasn't going to go the entire distance because Tampa Bay – clearly is just too good to be held down. Um, they actually won. Uh, every game was pretty dominant by the uh, Lightning uh, for the first three games. And then the game four was a tight win, overtime win by the Canadians. And then the Lightning um, finished it up with a one nothing win in game five. And that kind of just uh, kind of finished it off for the Montreal Canadiens. They could just go back uh, north and uh, cry about not being uh, being the winners of their own cup because uh, Canada is was the creator of of hockey, and yet they haven't won in probably four or five decades i'm ballparking it right now but you know if i looked it up it's quite a bit of time so no 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 canadian team has won the cup in five decades i would i would it's a guess but i know it's been a long time since uh, any any canadian team has won now some have made to the finals obviously the montreal canadians made the finals this year when the Bruins won the cup in 11, they faced the Vancouver Canucks. So there's been plenty of times they've been there. Just for some reason, they just can't, can't close the deal. So where's the, where's the little bit of shade and, and where's the tone in your voice coming from? Cause you had a little, you had a little bit of, aren't you go back North and cry? Cause it, some of the Canadian teams, and this is not, this is not shade at the players. It's more the organizations. They just have this air of superiority about them. Ah, uh, okay. Because hockey's their game and they should be they realistically they should have won the cup recently. I I, I can look it up at some point and maybe next week I can uh, get an exact last time they won, but it's just it's just interesting that I understand there's more United States teams than Canadian teams, but it's just about the organization, not so much the players. So, I, 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 again, as I've said before on the show, I'm not I'm not much of a uh, NHL connoisseur. Uh, how much is hockey compared to like you know baseball, football? How much is that affected by big market teams and salary cap? Is it possible that? Much like other sports, the big market teams have the money. And if you have, you know, New York, L.A., Chicago, big market teams, big money, drawing all the players from Canada to America, is that 
is that happening? Is is that the financial setup, or is every team on even playing field? It's similar to the NFL setup, where they have a salary cap. Okay. They have a, a, a slotted system for the uh, the entry, the NHL entry draft, and it's it's a short time period. If a player wants to become a restricted free agent, I believe. Don't quote me on it. I would have to do a little bit more uh, dusting up on my knowledge of the free agency aspect and the uh, entry level um, contracts in hockey. But I know uh, players can move quickly to other teams, but you got to think of it like this, Chris, Um, during the hockey season, you're rolling four lines. It's mostly three, but a lot of teams do roll four lines, four lines is, uh, a center and two two wing players and they'll throw they'll roll three defensive lines that's a lot of players so to to have teams like Tampa Bay who are have a lot of talent it takes a lot to a lot of time to get to that point to where you have an established team. I, I can think back to the Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, I believe at thir- 12, thir- uh, 13, and 14, they were a really dominant team. Uh, 13, they faced the Bruins and uh, beat them in, I believe, six games. It's just – and they had they have Patrick Kane. They have Jonathan Taves, uh, Brent Seabrook. These are, these are talented players. Duncan Keith, a lot of talent on – on the front lines and, and defensive core. And that's where you want to balance your team is have a, a, a fluid team of, of centers and, and forwards and, and defensive end. I know it's not, you know, uh, it's not like a rocket science kind of theory, but some teams can get drawn into this defensive heavy team some teams can just think, uh, let's 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 load up on these frontline guys and get you know pucks to the net, and it can be explosive at, at some points, good or bad. And I think yeah. what what tends to happen is it's more, not so much the fan base; it's not so much um, the the players on the on the on the ice. It, it, can be the front office not doing their due diligence. It's the ownership. Maybe <laughs> no. they want to. Right. It may be the ownership because for the longest time, the Bruins ownership did not want to spend a lot of money. And that was the narrative. And, and sometimes they would spend the money, but not the correct money. And it took overhauling the front office and the ownership kind of peeling back just a little bit to let them let the hockey people do the hockey job and not it's similar to baseball people let baseball people mm-hmm. run the baseball operations it's like jerry think of jerry jones just gonna say jerry jones too yep. jerry you, hire, jones. you hire people to do a job and then you try to take over yep and it's like daniel snyder he's he has some success when he's not the one sitting there making the draft picks and and making the free agency choices and that's that can be the issue, you know. But uh, and it's not big market, small market, because 
think of the the Rangers. It's been a it's been a few minutes since they won. I think it's early two thousands they won. Um, Islanders are in the same same city and they haven't won recently. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of. Um, uh, you, if you think Dallas is a big market, uh, they haven't won a Stanley Cup in a while, and so it's not. And Tampa Bay, we know Tampa Bay's market as far as baseball aspect. It's not much better for hockey. You know, we we, we know what we know what the real reason is. What's that? It's the Tom Brady factor. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, just his presence alone. Tampa doesn't win a, 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 a sports title in, in nearly two decades, and they've had three and an appearance just since he's been down there. So, hey, up here we haven't had any. So clearly the magic has moved. Really? Um, it's an interesting little fact, though. Apparently the cup got dented during the parade. Doesn't it happen from time to time? I'm the time. It's just I mean, you have, you, have, you, have, you have folks that are celebrating, I assume, consuming uh, at least higher than normal quantities of alcohol hand in around this looks kind of heavy trophy. I, I can see that happening. Yeah. Yeah. They, uh, and what, what, what finds, I find it funny is because when you watch the cup ceremony, uh, the keepers of the cup, which it, it gives Sounds me. Sounds like the next Indiana Jones movie. It's, it's just a, it gives me a possible headache that they're treating this thing like it's it's the Holy Grail or the Ark of the Covenant. It's just, okay, it, it's the cup. I appreciate the history because all the players' names are on the cups at every one uh, Stanley Cup. There's only one, right? It's not a new one made every year. That's that's the that's the one, right? That's okay. the one. So I can appreciate that. But they're treating – they'll come out there with their – white gloves on and so they don't touch it and and they hand it off and then you have all these sweaty they, they hockey were, players they weren't that, that careful are, during covid right but they, there's all these sweaty hockey players they're not touching it and then now they've i guess reports are they covered it in a blanket and they've swept it up to the uh hockey hall of fame to repair it uh but what's supposed to happen now is um they plan out a day for each player to have the cup. And okay. so it'll be interesting to see when that happens and if it happens, because, you know, I am sure they have to be super delicate with repairing a dent in a cup. That's very old. Well, with everything going on in the world, it's nice to know that the Stanley cup has better medical coverage than your average American. So, all right. From the finals of the NHL to the All-Star Game, or at least the All-Star Game festivities of Major League Baseball, uh, tonight, as we record on Tuesday, uh, is the um, All-Star Game. So we can't report on that, obviously. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, although I will predict an American League win, because I'm going to be a homer. So I'm going to say AL wins 6-4, to four, and Rafael Devers is your MVP. Um, I wasn't ready for this, but I will go uh, NL. Seven, AL two. Oh, okay. Uh, and 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 just for continuity sakes, I'm gonna go Pete Alonso. Okay. Sweeps the awards. By the way, there was absolutely no rhyme or reason for my decision, other than 
I'm a Sox fan, so I chose Devers, and those are the first two numbers that came in my head. So <laughs> I'm not dying on that hill. Just a guess. It's the All-Star game. We all know anything can happen. Speaking of Pete Alonzo of the New York Mets, uh, absolute monster hitter for the New York Mets, uh, and looks to be one of the faces of the game going forward. A guy we don't talk about enough, honestly, because he's, you know, the Yankees kind of take the stage in New York. Yeah. Uh, we're honestly more American League guys. We, we do follow baseball in general, but we're more American League guys being Sox fans. Uh, but this guy deserves a lot more focus and attention. Uh, he won his second straight home run derby last night, beating Trey Mancini, who, look, win or lose, that dude's a great story. Uh, missed belief all of last year, and I think even some of the year before, uh, fighting cancer, you know, doing better now, clean bill of health, great comeback, put on an awesome show last night. Uh, not quite enough, but um, <laughs> no, nobody can certainly call Trey Mancini a loser, so hats off to him for, for all he's done so far. Uh, Pete Alonso, I think he had what, 35 home runs in the first round, which is a record. Uh, we had a 520-foot home run last night, which is insane. Wow. Uh, and only, um, excuse me, Mr. Alonzo joins only Ken Griffey Jr. and Yenis Cespedes uh, as back-to-back home run derby champions. Uh, I, I didn't actually watch, to be honest with you. Uh, I kind of just got updates on my phone. But this used to be, like, must-see television for me. It was like a year, I, I enjoyed the home run derby more than the All Star game. My question is, what happened? This used to seem like a big deal, and of course, when you're watching it on TV, they make it a big deal. The players are there, some of their kids are there. There's all sorts of quote celebrities, uh, which is sometimes legitimate and sometimes used very loosely. Um, it just doesn't have the same feel to me it used to. I, I equate it to the slam dunk contest. Okay. okay. At some point, it, you know, it was must see TV. You want to watch it. You want to, you know, you want to live. You want to see it live because you're interested in, and you want to be in that moment. And I think there's only so many times you can watch someone in a home run. There's only so many times you can watch someone slam dunk and just be like, yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's why the the slam dunk contest and the NBA All Star Weekend probably has a little more popularity than the uh, MLB All Star Game and home run contest because they do lean towards a younger demographic. Therefore, you have a newness factor with younger kids, where if you don't get that influx of of young young viewers to the baseball all-star game and and the home run derby you're not going to get that interest and it's not going to it's not going to have intrigue and do i know what can fix it put me on the spot i'm not sure if there's anything you can do to fix it it's a home run there's only so much you can do um fair enough i don't want i don't want to say chris berman killed it with you know what he did but you know Every time I, I when I used to watch it, 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 all you'd hear was back, 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 and it's every time, and it's just like, yeah, I, I like Berman. Don't get me wrong, but uh, yeah, I think two hours of that every home run got to a point where it was like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, I can see that. 
you know, I think like a lot of things today, it, it comes down to options. Think about when you were a kid, you know, early, mid, even even some, to some extent, late 90s, early 2000s. You didn't have the, I mean, we can, we can, I can sit here right now with two remotes and pretty much in my laptop and pretty much watch anything I want. Find it, watch it, buy it, stream it. If it's something from a week ago or, or last night or, or 20 years ago or a silent film, which I wouldn't be watching, but I could if I wanted to. Right. Everything's at your fingertips. So when we were kids and, and they were just starting to come out with these crazy cable packages and the internet was not nearly what it is now, we didn't all have phones in our hand that could access anything. It was like when this was on, you were watching your favorite players. You were watching it live. This was... This was new. This was fresh. There wasn't anything else to distract you. Now you can have anything anytime. It's like, eh, okay, cool. I can I can literally watch any any anything I want from baseball's past with the click of a button. If I want to watch it later, I'll watch it later. Yeah. Like nothing nothing seems like that big a deal. With the exception of maybe like the Super Bowl. Like nothing even that to an extent isn't what it used to be because the commercials are not what they used to be. That's a different story. But as far as live events, you have to watch as they happen. Really, the Super Bowl is the only one I can think of. Maybe if you're a, a big time music fan and you like those award shows, maybe. But I, I, I can't. I don't know anybody who's that into those. Um, yeah, it's just it was much like a lot of things. This technology we have is great, but it does, uh, it does kind of take the piss out of some stuff. I think I think to, to enhance your point, it's options. It's what can what can baseball do to make them the top option? It's very difficult because I could literally sit right where I'm I at, could, Chris. I could think of one thing. All right, but but in the in the perspective of just the home run derby, right? It's because I can sit right here where I'm at, turn on the TV, put something on demand. And if I wasn't on with you, I could put a Twitch stream on of, of my favorite Twitch streamer. And then I can go on my phone and put a YouTube channel up or, or, or play a, a game on my phone. And that's my attention. And if you're not popping in one of those, I don't know what you're, I don't, I don't know how you're going to get there uh, because you're trying to fight with so much. Uh, attention between Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, uh, Instagram, streaming services, and, and name your and name your streaming service. Not to mention cable, as you pointed out. You have to find a way to either get your get your where you're at the most attention, or spread yourself throughout to get the most attention possible whether it's you know streaming on youtube because i know was it uh i think the nfl was what was it were they doing something on youtube last year or is it twitch they were doing something on a streaming service uh last year oh it was uh prime they did thursday night football oh, yeah, yeah. On, yep. on prime uh because not everyone had like you, you at, at this point in where we're at, you have a better chance of hitting someone with a prime subscription 
than you do with someone having a cable subscription. Uh, that, that is, is uh, accurate. Yeah. It is just probably the, I mean, I, I am not speaking with a, a ton of confidence in, in the data, but I would, if I were to guess, that would be my guess is that prime is more popular. So that's what baseball has to do. They have to start looking at these numbers and saying, okay, how much, how much attention is YouTube getting? How much attention is Twitch getting? How much attention is a, a prime service getting? And what can we do? Cause cable is probably turning into old media at this point. And, and you need to start shifting to that new media. Well, that's what I was going to say. It's not so much where it is now. It's where's it going to be in five, 10, 15 years. And you're definitely right. I know myself personally do the prices. Uh, cable was convenient. The box was right there. But due to pricing, I canceled cable, like oh, I don't know, five years ago. I've been using uh, various streaming services ever since, and I'm getting everything I, I watched for about a third of the price. So, I mean, and it's, you know, I mean, these, these cable companies do pay the NFL big money, but you don't think Amazon will pay them big money? Yeah. You don't think what whatever's going to come next come around the corner and be the next big company to the challenge streaming or, or shipping or whatever it is won't pay big money to put them on their platform of course they will of course they will so yeah i mean it, it's baseball it, this continues to be baseball's problem and we've talked about this before they are absolutely they're, they're not stuck in the past in the right ways and they move forward in the wrong ways yeah they just Almost every single time over the past couple of decades, they can make a decision to improve the game. They make the wrong one. I mean, I, if I were to spitball one thing is if you wanted to on, on let's say you want to do something on Twitch, which I understand it's, it's mostly for gaming, but maybe you want to do something where, you know, you have a catcher cam and, you see the interaction of, of the player hitting the home run. Maybe that's something that we might interest some people. That's the kind of ideas that you need to start drumming up is, is different perspectives of like, like when they were experimenting with um, mics on the players uh, in the outfield during the games, but they were only doing it in um, spring training because they would never translate it to uh regular season because they felt like it was a danger and they were, the players were interacting with, you know, the, um, the broadcast team of that team. I thought that was interesting. I thought that was a, a, another layer, but I knew they wouldn't go forward with it because there's certain risk. And obviously as, as we've, we talked about, there's certain players who just don't have that, that mold in them to, be outspoken to be you know have this big personality uh one example is mookie betts i remember him being on the mic and it's just it was fun but if i looked i listened to mookie betts for 60 games eventually i'd be like oh well it's the same stuff over yeah, and over again. right whereas if it was fernando tatis or uh bryce harper or someone with that personality maybe that could be something that could dive into but again like you just pointed out they they just don't move forward with the right stuff and they keep these 
and then they move forward with the wrong processes. And it's just not going to help the, it's not going to help the game. Well, I don't really know how to transition from that to this. So we're just going to do it. Yeah. Um, sure. All-star game tonight, starting pitchers, Shohei Latani for the Angels and Max Scherzer of the Nationals. Uh, Shohei Latani also competed in a home run derby last night. Uh, I don't believe he did very well, but still, the fact he was able to do both is pretty impressive. Uh, he actually petitioned to MLB to change the rules, and they agreed to allow him to stay in the game and hit after he pitches. Um, I don't have a problem with that. I heard some people say, oh, they changed the game. They did this. They did that. Dude, it's the all-star game. Come on. That would be it, that, it, that, that would be the opening and closing argument of yeah. this statement, Chris. It's an exhibition. It's an exhibition. Who really cares? Exactly. He, he's not going to be able to hit because he's going to pitch maybe one inning. That's why he did it. Where, okay, if he's a DH, then he can hit because the chances are he'll get at least one, maybe two at-bats. But the odds are not in his favor if he's only pitching, and as soon as he's out of the game, he's out of the game. So I, I can understand why he wanted to. I don't have a problem with it. it no. It's an exhibition game. It's exactly. Is- we're, we're, not, we're not talking about changing Game 7 of the World Series on the fly. We're talking – yeah, an exhibition game that – I don't even think it's for home field advantage anymore. There's literally nothing on the line. It's nothing. It's just so it's 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 a game for the players to go out there and have some fun, and the fans to have some fun and interact with each other, and a lighthearted thing where hopefully everyone has a good time and no one gets hurt, and then they can move on to the second half of the season. People got to stick up their ass sometimes. Uh, I know I can when it comes to like Rob Manfred and his <laughs> uh, commissioner. Process, however, your commissionerly process, whatever. But when it comes to stuff like this, it's yeah, it's an exhibition. Let it go. It's fine. It doesn't matter. It's not hurting anything. The fans are going to enjoy it more. The players are going to enjoy it more. Let it go. Uh, okay. Uh, I had a little a little thing here. Um, because I can only think of one person, and some people don't like to compare athletes in sports. I personally think that's what we do. That's how we measure people. There's a reason people are called the measuring stick. Uh, who could you compare Shohei Otani to throughout history? Um, Because we have not seen, and look, I'm not talking about my comparison, <laughs> as I stated, is not an overall body of work. Once I say the name clearly, I, I, I saw your yeah. Your, I saw you know, you know who I, you know who I'm going to say. I do, and that's I'm, I'm. See, here's 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 where I'm at a disadvantage. I don't have the historical knowledge that you have. So literally, that would be the only player I go to because he's the only player I can I can think of that did both. And my pick was Babe Ruth. Right. I mean, and again, just to be clear. I'm not saying Shohei Otani and Babe Ruth are one and the same. <laughs> I'm saying the last player I could think of who could pitch dominantly right. and then be a force at the plate. Obviously, Babe Ruth did it for numerous years and then stopped pitching. It was a, a dominant hitter for many more years. Otani is very young still. We'll see where his career goes. 
odds would have it he's not going to have a Babe Ruth-like career. But as I said the last couple of weeks, if it's only this season, if it's only three or four seasons, whatever it is, appreciate what you're watching as a baseball fan, even if you're not an Angels fan, even if you're a fan of their rival, at least be able to appreciate from a baseball fan standpoint how unique it is what this guy's doing. There have been two-way players before, and they last maybe half a season, a season. They're not very good at one, if they're good at either, because one takes away from the other as far as their skill set goes. This guy just seems to be getting better. And to start in a Major League Baseball All-Star game and to have numbers that are, it's not preposterous. Uh, and then to also compete in home run derby and be a the league leader in home runs. It's pretty damn incredible. Wow. Yeah, so, is. I mean, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I feel like a broken record. I've been saying it every week now, but this guy is something special and just enjoy it while we can because injuries happen. People fall off. People figure out players. Just it, enjoy this time period where he's doing what he's doing because it, it, it may not happen again for a long, long time, if ever. I can see because there was a player, I, I don't know his name, but there was a player, it was like two or three years ago, that got drafted, I want to say by the Rays or Some, someone. Something huh? McKay. I can't remember his first name. Something McKay. Yeah, he got drafted and he was very hard on the fact that he was going to do both. And I don't know where he's at right now, uh, but I can see, I can see Shohei Itani and what he's done. Um, instill into younger players that they might want to try this, that they might want to give it a go. I can remember uh, Casey Kelly, a draft uh, prospect by the Red Sox two years, years and years ago. And he came in as a shortstop second baseman pitcher. And I think they gave him like a season to kind of figure out if he could do that or not. And then they just switched him to a pitcher. And then he got traded in a a deal. I think it was Adrian Gonzalez or something that long ago. But I think they're willing to give a little to the players at some point, depending on whether, you know, if they're drafted in the first round, but there is that breaking point. Cause I heard um, it had to be on the radio probably like a week, week and a half ago. Um, they were talking about Shohei because he just faced the Red Sox. And they were talking about how he he wasn't great, but he was good. And his, his primary fastball was good. His secondary pitches were not great, but they were good enough. So he's almost – I don't want to say he's getting by uh, on raw talent, but he's – kind of getting by on raw talent uh and that and there's two factors to that is like we you discussed um there's the splitting of the time and then there's the second factor is he took a literally what was a year year and a half off of pitching because he had tommy john yes yep. so you know there is a translation from japanese pitching to uh united states pitching because there's more talent uh it's the cream of the crop and you can't get away with 
get away with stuff in AAA would be the analogy I would use in AAA that you can uh, you can't get away with stuff in MLB that you can get away with AAA because the hitters are just better. So it takes time to to hone your craft, and if you if that time that you would spend to hone your craft is spent hitting, there is going to be a catch up time, as you pointed out. When that is. It's a good question. It could be the end of this season. It could be next year. At some point with the technology that we have and hitters that are just utilizing every metric and and video uh, that's available to them, they're going to catch up to him, and it's up to him to remedy that as soon as possible. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that's the battle I think every pitcher faces. Uh, but – well, not everyone, because not everyone's hitting, but you know what I mean. Yeah. At least at that level, when it comes down to the hitters and all the metrics they can use, you got to find a way to get around that. Um, but I think it's nice as someone who gets tired of uh, the stats are fun and everything, but all the ridiculous, the sabermetrics and all the next-gen stats and, oh, this guy hits good on the third day of the month when the wind pressure is blowing slightly out to left field in a National League stadium gets really old it's nice to just see a guy with some raw talent going out there and playing baseball true i mean it, it's just nice to like what is his biggest attribute just raw talent that's kind of cool i like that that's an old school that's a throwback that's like obviously a guy like ken griffey jr you could say uh you know look at that swing look at look at look at uh the way he runs look he those things were great and his swing was I mean, arguably the greatest swing of all time, at least from aesthetically. But the talent was there. You could see it. There was an it factor. There was something about the way he carried himself, something about the way he moved and played. You just couldn't teach it. There was raw talent there that, you know, enabled the rest of those things to happen. You have that with Otani, too. He's just good. A guy like Mike Trout is just good. Obviously not without work and effort. They put a ton of work into it. But... I can go to a batting cage every day for 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 a year. I'm not gonna hit like Mike Trout. <laughs> I'm not gonna hit like Shohei Otani. I can I can throw a thousand pitches a day for for the next six months. I'm not striking any major league pitchers out or excuse me hitters out. Talent's got to be there. Stats aside, if you don't have the talent, it doesn't matter. Okay, so. I don't know if you saw this or not. This just made me laugh. I didn't. I was, um, was going to ask you, but I thought maybe we just discuss it. Apparently, uh, during the Astros Athletics Series uh, in Houston, I think it was well, it was before last weekend. It was shortly after we recorded last week's show. Uh, Mike Fires was pitching for the A's. For those that don't know, during the Houston sign stealing scandal, uh, he was essentially the whistleblower. He was the guy that came out and said, you know, hey, if you want to know what they were doing, look at this, look at this, look at that. And kind of the whole thing kind of unraveled from him coming out and talking. Well, the fan, the Houston fans uh, were <laughs> throwing blocks of cheese on the field and it had messages on it like, hey, Mike, are you hungry? <laughs> Insinuating he's a rat. Um, I, I thought this was funny. The Astros players and organization and the way Manfred handled it uh, are an embarrassment. 
the fans weren't the ones on the field doing anything wrong. They weren't in on it. They had no idea. And they're going to stand up for their team. Because, look, if you're a real fan, you love your team no matter what. I'm going to defend the Patriots no matter what anybody says. And I, I, I don't I don't care if anybody likes that or not. That's just what I'm going to do as a fan. Uh, so I can understand Houston saying, look at them now. The team's competitive now. They're not doing nothing. They, you know, they, they could have still done it back then. It didn't matter. They still would have won. And getting pissed at people like Fires who clearly benefited from that behavior, but then the second he got away from it, uh, decided to snitch. Uh, so I have no problem with the fans doing it. I think it's funny. I think it's fans being fans. And quite frankly, at this day and age, if anyone's going to be that interactive at a major league baseball game, I don't care what the reason is. As long as they're not hurting anybody, go for it. I, I think that I don't like it when people throw stuff on the field to play wherever, whatever game it is. I don't like it because it, and it causes a, 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 an atmosphere where they could throw whatever they choose on the field. And I just, it doesn't sit well. I can, I can appreciate the, the comedy, the satirical, uh, the satirical aspect of it because that's funny in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a vacuum it's funny uh, the problem is it's just I don't like stuff being thrown on the field because then it's danger to the players and it makes them feel uncomfortable and then you <laughs> have it you have situations <laughs> like in the NBA that happen where we start having I, I don't want to say uh the brawl at Palace Hills is going to happen again, but you know, stuff like that can perpetuate over time and stuff's going to happen. If, if, if we don't, we don't take responsibility of, of not doing stuff like that. Well, here's the thing. I mean, security stopped them. It wasn't like, it wasn't like the Astros P announcer was like, here, get your block of cheese at the front door. Like, I know what you're saying, but like, it wasn't like it was allowed to happen. It was just something that did happen, and I'm like, that's funny. That's kind of clever. Like, hey, we're going to the ballpark. Make sure you grab your wheel of Gouda. I mean, like, it's just, I don't know. I do understand what you're saying, and I'm, I'm not a fan of that either. But, I mean, I think a block of cheese being hooked five feet onto the field is not exactly, we're way too, I don't know, sensitive to this stuff. Like, oh, one thing's going to lead to another. We better not have fun. I think there's a possibility that one thing could lead to another. I think if you it, now, you said that that person was escorted out of the stadium, correct? I think it was more than one person. I, I didn't. I didn't actually see it. I read the article on it. It, it sounded okay. like it was a lot of people. Like it was like a fan coordinated thing. No, yeah. I would. I would just say the person's going to get punished. Suspension of however long they're going to suspend that uh, person for. Um, so as long as we punish the person equally for what transpired, it should cause people not to want to do it. Now, the example of streakers are always going to streak. Yeah, they're going to get thrown in the jail that night and they're going to get like a week or two suspension from coming to the park or a month, whatever, whatever the case may be. And that's an equal punishment for uh, not heinous crime, just streaking across the field. So I think as long as you equate 
the punishment with the crime and that gives people pause of not doing or escalating it past that point i am i am okay but i just don't like i don't like the the act of throwing something on a field because it, it could potentially cause harm to a player or players down the road because something may escalate past that point because you have Astro fans that are upset at one player rightfully so, but that player is also correct because he should have came out and said what he said because the Astros were cheating. Well, it's funny. He had a problem with it once he left. I, yeah. And that is a, it's, a little bit of uh, hypocrisy on his part because he didn't say nothing when he was an Astro. So it, it's, it's to your point. It, he Astros he, fans, I'm taking your side on this one. He is in fact a rat. So uh, <laughs> two, just two things real quick on that. I completely understand what you're saying. You don't want things thrown on field. Right. Uh, so neither of these things, I think are a good move in the grand scheme of things. I'd rather have somebody throw something like a small block of cheese five feet onto the morning track, then run onto the field. I think somebody running onto the field could pose a much more serious danger to the players. Um, obviously, you're talking like they used to do where they would throw like frozen fruit and batteries. That's a whole different thing. That can definitely cause some damage, and that can't be allowed. Uh, but, I mean, as far as punishment goes, do you think Rob Manfred's going to punish anything in Houston? Uh, no, not likely. You think if That's you think if he if he has any say in any of the punishments as far as being dealt down the fans at ballparks, he's probably gonna have anyone in Houston who threw something box seats for the next six years. <laughs> so there ain't gonna be any punishment. He's probably gonna invite him to the commissioner suite or something. But um, yeah, I I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, okay, so now as promised a few weeks ago, we have our AL and NL uh, Cy Young front runners. Uh, do you want, we have not looked at these yet. We don't know who we, each other picked. Uh, chances are we may have, may have, I don't think it's as cut and dry as MVP. We may have someone the same. Uh, I do have my, uh, potential winner and I have a honorable mention for each league. So do you want to go first? Yeah, I will take, uh, I will take the AL this time. Since okay. Took AL with the MVP. Uh, I am going at this current moment. I am going with Garrett Cole as the Cy Young Award winner. Me too. Uh, the numbers are the numbers when I when I jotted this down because I thought we were going to do it uh, before last week's game uh, were were really really good. And then he just added on uh, better numbers. He's nine and four with a two point six eight ERA and a point. I'm, I'm going to say that again. 0.93 whip like that is insane and i don't ascribe to going any deeper than that i think those numbers right there tell me all i need to know about what Garrett cole's doing on the mound as as a standalone player and his ability to keep the other team in check to give his team an opportunity to score runs and win the game because he's got nine wins as well. And that tells you that the Yankees are producing when he's pitching, 
because there's plenty of times in history of baseball where we've seen, you know, uh, uh, ERA in the two fives and uh, below one whip, but the guy could have like a two and two record. Because... Oh, Felix Hernandez when he won the Cy Young with 12 yep. wins. Yep. I mean, he was absolutely dominant, but he got like two runs of support average every game. And then I will, I will give you an honorable mention. Uh, this, this, I, I, I'm not too familiar with the, this one. Uh, Aaron Cavill uh, okay. from the Cleveland Indians. He has yep. a ten and two record, a three point three two ERA, and a one point oh six WHIP. This is a guy I got to look into because when I think of the Indians, I think of Zach Plesac. Um, Zach or, or, uh, or Shane Bieber. Yeah. And, and, and I don't think of this kid and I'm like, Oh, well, who's this? Cause he just kind of popped at the top of the list. I'm like, Oh, interesting. I'll have to look into him and see what's, uh, what he's, uh, producing, what he's, what he's got for his arsenal and, and where he's at in his career. Cause I've never heard of the kid. Yeah. Like I said, I also chose Garrett Cole and I absolutely agree with you past the base numbers of the wins and the ERA and the whip. Uh, there's only one other uh, stat that I think matters, and that is the 147 to 22 strikeout to walk ratio, meaning he struck out 147 batters and only walked 22. So not only, I mean, is he is he pitching, you know, pitching his ass off, but he's not putting guys on base. He's not giving free passes, which is huge. Um, so yeah, for me right now, it's Garrett Cole. My honorable mention is Lance Lynn of the White Sox. Uh, strikeout numbers aren't nearly as high as some of the other pe- other folks in the league. Also has nine wins. Also has a crazy whip just over one. I think it's 1.01. His ERA is 1.99. And in case you're wondering, he has pitched 114 innings. It hasn't been like three starts. So this guy, after having a little bit of a lull in the middle of his career, uh, kind of like Verlander, where he wasn't bad, but he kind of had to just refigure some things out. Uh, he has come back strong in Chicago. Um, Garrett Cole is only disappointing to me because he's a Yankee, and uh, <laughs> I'm a Sox fan, and I was such a big fan of this guy before he went to New York. It's 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 hard to root for him, uh, but I mean you can't deny the talent. It's obviously there, and he's right now the AL front runner, I think. Uh, <laughs> NL front runner. We're not going very far. Uh, for me, it's Jacob Degrom. Oh wow! Um, I know he doesn't have the. I know there's a couple players, a couple pitchers in National League with 11 wins. I get that, but as we said, wins do not tell the entirety of the tale. True. This guy has a 1.08 ERA. 1.08, 146 strikeouts to 11 walks. .54 WHIP. And in case you're wondering, he has not pitched, even though he he was he missed some innings and he was out, he has not pitched that many fewer innings than Garrett Cole or any of the other league leaders in the National League or American League. He's in there. He, he, he goes deep into the games. He is out of his mind right now. I know it's only seven wins. As long as he stays healthy, that will get bumped up. He might not end with 20, obviously, which is kind of like the, the magical unofficial milestone of a great season for a pitcher. He could end up with 15, 16. These numbers stay the way they are. He could end up with one more win, and he'd still be a Cy Young frontrunner. His team's competitive. They're playing well. He's obviously a huge factor for that. 
Uh, and I think right now he's the best pitcher in baseball. Honorable mention, Kevin Gossman of the uh, Giants, San Francisco Giants. Um, I didn't write down the numbers because I didn't want to get too deep in the honorable mentions. But also pitching very, very well. Uh, as are a lot of guys, uh, we left a lot of guys off this list who... Well, it's not even a list, actually, just one pick and an honorable mention. But it's not a knock on anyone else. We just picked the player we thought was going to get it, and then somebody who could sneak in if something were to happen. We weren't going to top 10, top 5, top 10 with a full rundown. We can do that at some point later on in the season when we get closer to the actual end of the year and the awards coming out. But is anybody saying, what about this guy? What about that guy? Yeah, we left a lot of talented people off. We only chose two, so people are going to be off the list. So, I'm going to help you out, Chris. You said you didn't have Kevin Gosman's numbers, right? I have Kevin Gosman's numbers because he's my selection for the Cy Young Award. Okay. Uh, he's 9-3. and three. He's got a 1.73 ERA and a .82 whip. I understand. We're looking at two wins difference between him and uh, Jacob deGrom. And about uh, 20, 25 innings pitched. Because as you pointed out, he uh, missed some time. That could that could be the difference coming down to the end in September on the difference between who wins the Cy Young. And I'm going to give an honorable mention to – God, I, I hope I don't butcher this name too much. Oh, boy, here we go. Anthony D- – Diaz Caflano, I think that's how you say it. Sure. He's a, he's also a San Francisco giant. So um, something's going on in San Francisco that uh, we might not have to pay attention to. He yeah. has a ten- solid drafting. Yes. And good, well, good free well, agent pickups. I was just saying, because both these guys are free agent pickups. Because uh, Kevin Gosman was a draft pick by Baltimore, I believe, right? Baltimore. Yeah. And, uh, Anthony was drafted by the Reds. Okay. All right. Um, uh, he's 10 and three with a 2.86 ERA and one, one whip. So the numbers are comparable. Uh, obviously Kevin has a little bit more as far as the metrics. So it just might be, uh, this, I'm just going to say Anthony, uh, Anthony, might, this guy, uh, he just might be getting, um, couple more breaks on the runs scored by the team and this could prompt the giants to want to go out and get some more bats because i know beginning of the season they were talking about the rumors were is brandon crawford going to get dealt is brandon belt going to get dealt who are they going to keep who's going to go and right now they're sitting pretty at the top of the division with an incredible record and Dodgers are behind them. The Padres are behind them. Obviously the other two teams are behind them and they're sitting actually not just at the top of the division. They're, uh, they're first in baseball. Yeah. They're, they're, they're buyers right now. They're definitely not sellers. So and Buster, be... Buster Posey has been, has had a bit of a resurgence also, which is nice to see because he's a good, really good player. But has he been playing catcher or has he been playing first? I don't know. I can solve that. Um, Either way, either way, though, here's the thing. Even if he's at first, he still has the knowledge of a catcher. He can still help these guys. Oh, right now, both 
Buster Posey and Brendan Bell are on the 10 day IL. So, uh, but I'm sure they're getting through it. Um, and, and they have not to get too deep in the giants, but I think it's an interesting conversation to have that for the past few years, they've been on the downside, a downturn, and they're, they've been trying to figure out what they're going to do. And, and, you know, they have Jake McGee as their closer. If you remember Jake McGee all the way back from, I think he pitched with the Rays yep, at, at one point. Um, and, and they got some, it, it's, it's just a, it's one of these teams that you look at it, you just say, wow, there's, there's players there, but not super talent players. It just, just piecing it together with, with the right, the right pieces. Cause they even have Johnny Cueto as their third starter, which uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might be, he might call it a, a career after this season. If I remember correctly. Well, people forget this team years ago. I mean, they won three out of five uh, World Series titles. Yep. Three out of five years, they won the World Series every other year. Win, lose, win, lose, win. Well, not lose. They weren't in it, but they won every other year for five years. I mean, it's it's not like this is clearly an organization that just had to get back to the basics and what they do, and that's putting together a solid team, not just going out and trying to buy a star. as, As we know, certain teams are better at that. The Red Sox tried doing that for a long time. And, you know, not that they don't have any stars in their team. They have guys like J.D. Martinez. But they have him because he took an under-market value contract. He got five for 100. He could have gotten more than that, far more than that, in his in his free agent year. Um, and obviously they have other talented players that they're going to have to pay, but those are farm, farm-developed farm talents. Uh, you know, Xander Bogarts, um, Raphael Devers. They do have guys they've traded for. Obviously, the guys that got in the Mookie Betts trade. Um, Alex Verdugo looks very, very good. Uh, like him or not, he's, he looks good on the field. Uh, so, I mean, we, we've seen it with, with teams before. The Sox were very successful, and then they start trying to throw around money and get guys like David Price or Carl Crawford. Pretty much anybody from Tampa Bay doesn't work in Boston. So, oh, I mean, Johnny we've seen Gums it before. Works. Nobody expected anything from Johnny Gomes. That's true. That's a fair. Nobody point. expected anything. So anything he gave was, and that's not a disrespect to Johnny Gomes. He's he's a great locker room guy, and he was great on the field in the playoff run. But behind, you know, nobody expected much from him when they signed him. People expected Price to be an ace. People expected Crawford to be an all star. And those guys, I mean, half a billion dollars between the two of them under contracts, and you could say Price was essential in, in, in a playoff run. In a, in a World Series title a few years ago, so I don't want to say he flopped because he he was better than he got credit for, but he was not as dominant as he was at times in Tampa Bay. He was more dominant in Toronto for yeah the one season that he was there than any time in Boston. Crawford flopped from the word go and did nothing but complain about it the entire time. Right, so he flopped. Um, so Giants are definitely a team that knows how to who, who to build a team. Like I said, the, the two pitchers we were talking about earlier, Gossman and <laughs> the other gentleman, uh, I mean, they're obviously free agents, but they weren't brought in on massive contracts. Giants did their due diligence, gave these guys a shot, and look how it's turning out for them. There's something to be said for that as opposed to just, let's throw money at this guy. That'll fix it. So good for the Giants. Yeah, I, I think – and if I remember correctly, uh, Brandon – 
Crawford and Brandon Belt might have been on the last uh, World Series team that they um, they were in. Uh, they might have been very young, uh, obviously, but I think I think it's something to be said about just having longevity in, a, in one organization and kind of just building from there. And but they have a lot. They have a lot going on over there in, 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 in San Francisco. And if I were them and to kind of round out this, this Cy Young discussion, I would just, I, I wouldn't do too much to kind of mess with it. I would just add small little pieces here and there just to kind of enhance the team. Don't mess with it too much. And maybe because you always need bullpen. So maybe bring in another bullpen arm and, and, help these guys out and get maybe get these these win totals up and who knows maybe it could be a two horse race down the end of the uh, of the season between uh Gosman and Anthony uh for the Cyan award yeah maybe but as we saw with Johnson and Schilling they usually take votes away from each other which is weird but that's how it works so we'll see what happens it'll be fun either way all right close things out little NFL have a top 10 list for you. Not a top 10 list, Ben or I made up. Uh, it is actually a the top 10 active quarterbacks, according to uh, Jeremy Fowler of ESPN.com. Uh, I only, it's, you know, I, I was even going to add this, but I figured it'd be a nice, it'd be a fun little quick uh, discussion, much like our top 10 coaches discussion a few weeks ago. Uh, it was behind a paywall. However, uh, somebody had already taken it and put it on Bleacher Report, which is where I saw it. So I was like, well, all right, if it's already out there. Um, I'm not going to read these 10 to 1. I'm going to read these 1 to 10 because I think the top half of the list is pretty accurate. Uh, it's when we get to the bottom half and one in particular where I think Ben's head's going to spin. Uh, but here we go. Number one, Patrick Mahomes. Okay. That I mean, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't argue that. I mean, you can, but you're wrong. Uh, number two. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. I have my issues with how he handles things, but on the field, I mean, it's hard It's hard to argue. The guy's as effective as just about anybody. Three, Tom Brady. I'd argue you swap two and three, but people are always going to put Rodgers in front of Brady for some reason, even though the numbers do not back it up. But that's fine. It's personal opinion. That That's not egregious. It is what it is. Four, Russell Wilson. I mean, he's always the MVP of the first month of the season. Uh, I don't mean that as a knock. I mean, he does seem to have somewhat of a fall-off deeper into the year you get. But, I mean, obviously a fantastic quarterback, so no problem there. Five, uh, a guy who I feel is a future MVP, and unfortunately for my favorite team, probably a Super Bowl champion, Josh Allen. Uh, based on how he played last year, it's hard to argue that. I have no problem putting him in the upper echelon. He's not in the league of those four guys above him just yet. All those guys above him have Super Bowl rings, multiple playoff wins. Can't put him above him just yet, but he is he is right there knocking on the door, so that's fine. Number six, the sixth best quarterback in the National Football League, Matthew Stafford. I'm sorry? <laughs> yeah. Beg your pardon? You, yeah. You, you said Matt Stafford. Matthew yeah, Stafford. That, it's impossible because I don't think he has a playoff win. Uh, and not that many appearances. 
Uh, Tom Brady, I think, has as many Super Bowl losses as Matthew Stafford has playoff appearances. So you're telling me, number six, Matthew Stafford is just just that much less of a quarterback than Josh Allen, who has a shorter time in the league, done more in the playoffs, and has a better shot at being an MVP than yeah. Okay. And look, none of this is personal. Matthew Stafford, by all accounts, is a great guy. This is just on the field. This is what you've accomplished on the field. That's, 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 the, that's field. the argument. Just on the field. I don't want anybody He's... to come back at us and be like, oh, you're attacking Matthew Stafford. No, we're not. Oh. We're not saying anything negative about the human being. On the field, I don't care what. Look, you can only be as good as the situation you're in. Matthew Stafford is in Detroit. They've been a dumpster fire since Barry Sanders walked out the door. Correct. Uh, even Calvin Johnson, one of the most physically intimidating wide receivers of all time. I mean, while his number his numbers were spectacular, couldn't oh. <laughs> couldn't couldn't turn this donkey into a contender. Like it, it just didn't happen. Let me just read the names after him, though. Okay, yeah, right. Okay. So well, go ahead. So just hold your head in place so it doesn't spin. Matthew Stafford six, number seven, Dak Prescott, number eight. Arguably the best pound for pound athlete in the entire league, Lamar Jackson. Uh, and I think really only he and CMC could be, you know, 1A and 1B as far as just athletic and dynamic. Number nine, defending rookie of the year, Justin Herbert. Number 10, Kyler Murray. Now, I understand he's going through some legal trouble right now. I get that. We're talking about on the field, right? We're talking about on the field. There, and you can't no... have an on the field list without Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson should have been number six. And, and Deshaun, and I don't I'm fine with Dak and then Lamar. Yeah. You can argue that. You can whatever. Look, they both proved Dak obviously with a much more serious injury this past season. Dak proved how important he is to that team, which is why he got paid despite injury. Lamar proved just in a couple of games he was out the way that team played compared to when he was in just how much he adds, not only talent wise, but emotionally to that team. So you can argue either one of those, being flip flopped, whatever they both belong there. And they would be still be seven and eight for me. Herbert. Fine. The guy kid came out last year when people weren't expecting much and did absolutely great things. He looked awesome time and time again, had some hiccups. Looks like he's going to have a fantastic career. We'll see. Guy like Joe Burrow didn't see enough from him last year. Got hurt, so I'm fine right, with him being right. off this list. Haven't seen enough. Uh, I, I actually went through the teams, and I'm like, okay, this guy couldn't take this guy out. This guy couldn't take that guy out. I'm fine with Matthew Stafford being number eleven or twelve. There's no way he's six. That's ridiculous. He has not proven it on the field. Uh, Kyler, I, I, I thought Kyler was an MVP contender the first half of last year. Right, he was. I think he's going to be an MVP contender going forward. He's dynamic. He'll be higher on this list within the next few years. No problem with that one. To leave Deshaun Watson off is ridiculous. Look, we're talking on the field talent. On the field talent. You are not going to tell me. You want to say Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, Wilson, even Allen. Right now you take over him. That's fine. That's totally fine. Uh there's absolutely no way you're starting a franchise and someone says, 
all things being equal, you take Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, there is no chance you take Matthew Stafford. It, it, it's ridiculous. Um, then there's, you know, could argue Roethlisberger. Um, I know it's current, so I understand him not being on it, but you, you could make that argument. Um, the only one I really have a problem here is Stafford. I mean, and it's not him being near the top. Obviously, look, if you have a choice between Matthew Stafford or Ryan Fitzpatrick long-term, nothing against Fitzy. I mean, the beard is tremendous, and, and he seems like a great guy, but you're going to take Stafford. Um, You know, Goff, <laughs> much like the Rams, Goff or Stafford, you're going Stafford. Right. Um, Even as a Patriots fan, I'm, I'm excited about what Mac Jones can bring in the future, but based on what we saw last season, Stafford or Cam Newton, I'd go Stafford. Right. So it's not like you shouldn't be anywhere near the top or the top half, but number six above some of those guys, oof, that's that's a tough one. I, I just – I'm trying to wrap my head around the logic behind um, Stafford being sixth, and I – any angle I come at it, it just doesn't make sense. Um, if you go with accolades, Lamar Jackson's got him by a, by a landslide. If you go at numbers, I mean, if we're going pure numbers, then Mahomes would be lower, Tom Brady would be first. So we can't go by that because some people have more longevity in the game than others. So if we go with averages, I'm sure Stafford's lower because he's missed a significant amount of time over his career. Beginning and the middle part of his career. So that was my thing is like you can say Dak with the injury, but then Stafford's had injury issues too the last couple of years. So it, it's not even, it's not that. There's, and there's no it's argument. Very clear. It says top 10 active. Like right now, who would you take if you were starting a franchise? So I completely understand what you're saying as far as like overall numbers. Yeah, Brady be number one, but that's not what it is. Right. So yeah. If, I mean, this is if this is his personal opinion, and he takes Stafford over Lamar Jackson, I you'd have to have his head checked. Does, I, I understand the the injury factor with Lamar Jackson could potentially be greater because he puts himself uh, in positions to get hurt, much like Josh Allen does as well. So there's an injury factor there as well. Uh, Justin Herbert does do it a little bit. So does Kyler Murray. Like these new age quarterbacks are, you know, their injury risk is, is elevated a little bit because they put themselves out of position, but Stafford's injury history is long and documented. He takes the wrong hit. He's going to be out for a while. He's yeah. had back issues, which not even the wrong hit, a hit could put him out for a significant amount of time. So yep. my problem is if he was 10, 9, okay, now we're we're arguing about small details. Yeah, positioning, right, exactly, yeah. But having him just outside the top 5, you're telling me he should be he he is a, a worthy enough to be on a team that's knocking at the door of a Super Bowl appearance. And I just don't think that's that's the position he should be in. He's out. He's a potential for being a playoff team 
but I don't think he has the makeup or he's never had the team around him, but he had Calvin to put him into the playoffs and, and be a strong contender. And I just, I don't know if he's going to have that in LA. He's got good receivers, but he's had good receivers before. So I don't know if this, this just seems imbalanced and one person in this position makes his whole list just it, – it's, it's got holes in it that just don't seem to make sense. Well, one thing is for certain with, with Matthew Stafford, we will find out this year exactly what he really is made of because he's had a bad team around him a lot of his career, like you said. He has had some talent, obviously, Calvin Johnson um, and others, not just Calvin, but others. But he has Cooper Cup to throw to. He has Robert Woods to throw to, who is – Robert Woods is, if you make a list of the top five underrated receivers in the league, he's got to be number one or two. Uh, he's tremendous, doesn't get enough credit. Uh, he has guys like Cam Akers, uh, you know, a lot of talent offensively around him. And then he has Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, and, and the rest of that defense who should be able to not allow 40 points a game like the Lions usually gave up. We're going to see what he's made of. Maybe that maybe Mr. Uh, Jeremy Fowler here has seen something we haven't. Um, obviously, well, being an ESPN insider, he's probably seen a lot we haven't. Um, yes. But <laughs> it's kind of an understatement. But, um, I mean, yeah, you line up. You put Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, and Kyler Murray in a lineup. You're going to tell me anyone's going to look at those four young, talented players and say, yep, Matthew Stafford before those guys. Okay, that's a personal choice, and if that's a personal choice you'd make, I pray you're picking before me. Anything else? No, I'm all set. All right, that is going to do it for episode 137. We thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions for Ben or I on this episode, past episodes, or anything sports-related at all, we'd love to hear from you, and we're going to get in touch with us. Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. Facebook, Ben and Chris Talk Sports, or the website, bctspod.com. Forget, if you have not done so yet and you feel so inclined, please go to wherever you download your favorite podcast and leave a rating and a review. Tell a friend and be active on social media. Go find us on Twitter or Facebook or, or uh, send us an email on the website. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what you think. We want to be interactive. We want to know what you guys want. Uh, so, yeah, so so we're out there. Come find us, and we will we will respond. Until next time. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.